Good morning, people of God. This morning, this is September the 26th, 2020. The time is 10, 10 a.m. Today is, is Saturday. Saturday, September 26, 2020. The time is 10, 10 a.m. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like ever before, O oh my soul, and worship His holy name. This is Apostle Shirley Evans coming on this morning with a prophetic word and songs from the Holy Spirit. We just bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like ever before. Oh, my soul, and worship his holy name, and worship his holy name. I pray when this message reaches you, whatever there it is, that it will find you in perfect peace once your mind is stayed on God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like ever before, oh my soul, and worship his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Give me a pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one glorious ambition for my life. To know and follow hard after you. Give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one glorious ambition for my life. To know and follow hard after you. To know and follow hard after you. To grow as your disciple in your truth. The world is empty, pale, and cold. Compared to knowing you, my Lord, lead me on and I will run after you. To know and follow hard after you. To grow as your disciple in your truth. The world is empty, pale, and cold, compared to knowing you, my Lord. 
Lead me on and I will run after you. Give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one glorious ambition for my life. To know and follow hard after you. To know and follow hard after you. To grow as your disciple in your truth. The world is empty, pale and cold. Compared to knowing you, my Lord, lead me, Lord, and I will run after you. To know and follow hard after you. To grow as your disciple in your truth. The world is empty, pale and cold. Compared to knowing you, my Lord, lead me, Lord, and I will run after you lead me lord and i will run after you let us continue to run after him the world surely is empty it's pale and it's cold compared to knowing you my lord lead me lord and i will run after you and so here it is to go thank god for today the bell has been rung and our lessons this morning is from matthew chapter 6 verse 15 to 18 which speaks about no we'll go from first First, from Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 15, which speaks about prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 15 to 18, speaks about fasting. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, talks about treasures in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 23, speaks about the light of the world. So we will go and have some reading from the scriptures read your bible pray every day pray every day pray every day read your bible pray every day and you'll grow 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 and you'll grow 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 and you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Neglect your Bible, and then you will shrink, shrink, shrink. So read your Bible, pray every day, and you will grow. When you read it, take your time, line upon line, precepts upon precepts. That's how he wants to teach us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15 says, this is on prayer, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, 
for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they are their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seed in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And that's the scripture on prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, our scripture on prayer. Some people, especially the religious leaders, wanted to be seen as holy. And public prayer was one way to get attention. Jesus saw through their self-righteous acts, however, and taught that the essence of prayer is not public style, but private communication with God. There is a place for public prayer, but to pray only where others will notice you indicates that your real audience is not God, but the audience. Can I say that again? There is a place for public prayer, but to pray only where others will notice you indicates that your real audience is not God. Verse 6, verse 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter in thy closet. That's what it says. Enter into your closet. Repeating the same words over and over like a magic incantation is no way to ensure that God will hear your prayer. It's not wrong to come to God many times with the same requests. Jesus encourages persistent prayer, but he condemns the shallow repetition of words that are not offered with a sincere heart. We can never pray too much if our prayers are honest and sincere. Before you start to pray, make sure you mean what you say. Some person I know used to say, I mean what I say and I say what I mean, but 
Is that really true? Verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6 is telling you what after the manner how to pray. This is often called the Lord's Prayer because Jesus gave it to the disciples. It can be part can it can be a pardon for our prayers. We should praise God. I came on this morning bringing this message and I couldn't stop praising. It was bubbling up in me, coming out of me. If I tried to say something else, I couldn't because the praise was there coming up. You know, there's a scripture in Isaiah, I think it is, that says, break forth into singing. Just break forth into singing. One time I was on an assignment at a particular church and the Spirit of the Lord was upon me and, and I, I was trying to squeeze it, not to open my mouth. But next thing, I, bro I, I break forth into praises. And when I break forth into praises, then the prophetic began to flow and I was still trying to choke it. And the man of God said, don't choke it, let it out. <laughs> you understand? Break forth into praises. We should praise God, pray for his work in the world, pray for our daily needs, and pray to help in our daily struggles. The phrase, our Father in heaven, indicates that God is not only majestic and holy, but also personal and loving. The first line of this model prayer is a statement of praise and a commitment to hallow or honor God's holy name. We can honor God's name by being careful to use it respectfully. If we use God's name lightly, we aren't remembering God's holiness. I remember being young and, and they teach you the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, um, in other words, called the name of the Lord in vain. For he will not hold you guiltless that take it his name in vain. And when I would say that, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain, for the Lord will not hold you guiltless that take it his name in vain. And, and I remember one time I missed and called his name in vain. I thought I was going to die. But, you know, as we grow, we understand some things better. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. The phrase, your kingdom come, is a reference to God's spiritual reign, not Israel's freedom from Rome. God's kingdom was announced in the covenant with Abraham. Luke chapter 13, verse 20. Luke chapter 13, verse 28. Luke 13, verse 28, declares. I may make sure I'm reading the right scripture. Luke, God's kingdom was announced in the covenant with Abraham. I'm reading from Luke chapter 13, verse 28, says, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. Jesus was speaking about you need to enter into the straight gate. It is God's kingdom was announced in the covenant with Abraham is present in Christ's reign in believers' hearts. Luke chapter 17, verse 21 says, Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is in you. It's in your heart. It's reigning in believer's heart. And will be complete when all evil is destroyed and God establishes the new heaven and earth. Revelation chapter 21 verse 1 declares Revelation 21 verse 1 says and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. When we pray, your will be done. We are not resigning ourselves to fate, but praying that God's perfect purpose will be accomplished in this world as well as in the next. Verse 11, it says, when we pray, give us today our daily bread. We are acknowledging that God is our sustainer and provider. It is a misconception to think that we provide for our needs ourselves. And some people say that, no, 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 God ain't having to do with this. I do this myself, but that's not true. We must trust God daily to provide what he knows we need. Verse 13, God doesn't lead us into temptations, but sometimes he allows us to be tested by them. And so Abraham had to be tested and Jesus had to be tested. As disciples, we should pray to be delivered from these trying times and for deliverance from Satan. Satan is the evil one and his deceit is very deceptive. All Christians struggling with temptation. All Christians struggling with temptations. All of us struggle with temptation. But the Bible said, yield not to temptation. For when we yield, that's a sin. Sometimes it is so subtle that we don't even realize what is happening to us. God has promised that he won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And I will find that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 
verse 13 declares, There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Sure enough, he makes a way so that we can bear it. Ask God to help you recognize temptation and to give you strength to overcome it and choose God's way instead. And remember how, how a messenger was sent from Satan to buffet Paul and he cried out more than once, twice, three times. And God answered him and said, my grace is sufficient. So when you going through the temptation, people of God, he gives you the grace to go through it. He gives you sufficient grace. A lot of people say, yeah, he don't put more on us than we can bear. No, because he gives us the grace to bear it. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Jesus gives a startling warning about forgiveness. If we refuse to forgive others, God will also refuse to forgive us. Oh man, let me say that again. Because in my lifetime, at the beginning of my walk, when so much had happened to me, it was difficult for me to forgive them. And I was like, God, why should I? I didn't do it. They did it to me. And then he had to bring me to the scripture where, where on the cross he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So once that scripture become truth on the inward part of me, man, I got an anointing to forgive. And so a song just came to me, only by grace can you enter, only by grace can you stand. Not by your human endeavors, but by the blood of the Lamb. God will also refuse to forgive us if we don't forgive others. Why? Because when we don't forgive others, we are denying our common ground as sinners in need for God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness of sin is not the direct result of our forgiving others, but it is based on our realizing what forgiveness means. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4 and 32 declares, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Yes, we need to forgive. Christ has forgiven us. It is easy to ask God for forgiveness, but difficult to grant it to others. Whenever we ask God to forgive us for sin, we should ask ourselves, 
Have I forgiven the people who have wronged me? And so that's on prayer. Now we're going to go on fasting. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18 says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto them to fast, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seed in secret shall reward thee openly. Fasting, going without food in order to spend time in prayer, is noble and difficult. It gives us time to pray, teaches self-discipline, reminds us that we can live with a lot less, and helps us appreciate God's gifts. Jesus was not condemning fasting, but hypocrisy. Fasting in order to gain public approval. Fasting was mandatory for the Jewish people once a year on the Day of Atonement. The Pharisees voluntarily fasted twice a week to impress the people with their holiness. Jesus commended acts of self-sacrifice done quietly and sincerely. He wanted people to adopt spiritual disciplines for the right reasons, not from a selfish desire for praise. They used olive oil. We still use olive oil. And sometimes we think if you spread it all over us, um, it's going to make us holy. No, uh-uh. Olive oil was used as a common cosmetic like a lotion. Jesus was saying, go about your normal daily routine when you fast. Don't make a show of it. Don't make a show of it. And many people make a show of it. Child, I fasting, so I, you know, I, and I'm not eating days. They don't have to know that. You don't make, they don't, you don't need to make a show. It's not a show. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, it talks about your treasures in heaven. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Storing up treasures in heaven is not limited to tithing, but is accomplished by all acts of obedience to God. There is a sense in which giving our money to God's work is like investing in heaven. But our intention should be to seek the fulfillment of God's purposes in all we do, not merely what we do with our money.
Then we'll go to the light of the world. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 23 says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 23. Spiritual vision is our capacity to see clearly what God wants us to do and to see the world from his point of view. But this spiritual insight can be easily clouded. Self-serving desires, interests, and goals block that vision. Serving God is the best way to restore it. A good eye is one that is fixed on God. Yesterday I thought about something in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And if you go all day watching nonsense on TV, and when you go to bed in the night, you will have all the dreams of what you watch during the day. And yes, your eye already was clouded because you didn't spend the most of the time on things of God. When we spend all the time thinking, looking, and doing things of the world and not sufficient time spending in the wood and with God, our eyes can be very, very cloudy. And you think you're seeing or hearing from God? No. Even Moses, his eyes wasn't cloudy, his ears wasn't stopped up, until a spirit of frustration and anger came on him because of the people, so he, he heard what he wanted to hear. He didn't hear what, what God was speaking then. So help us, Lord, to keep our focus on you, God, so that our visions will remain clear and not clouded. Matthew chapter 6 Verse 24, I'm going to go as far as I want to go. I'm going to go as far as I'm led to go. I'm going to read it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I am going as far as I am led by the Holy Spirit to do it. Not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit, said the Lord. It talks about, but put God's kingdom first. From verse 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, 
what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all, after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now when I started to, to speak to say that where I was going to read from, immediately the Holy Spirit rebuked me. Not where I was going to read from. Because it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Holy Spirit. And he rebuked me right then to let me know. This ain't you. I, the Holy Spirit, I'm speaking to my people. And you will say what I say that you should say. Now that's a whole word of saying right there. In other words, what he's saying, you will obey me. You will yield to me. And I will speak to my people. And so I repent. Forgive me, Lord, just then. So therefore, when you're walking with God, the Holy Spirit, once he has not left you, David say, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Once he has not left you, he will immediately convict you of sin. But when he convicts you of disobedience, do you immediately turn or you continue going your way? He's teaching us to listen to his voice and do what he says. And he tests us right away because just before that, I was speaking about how the vision, the cloudiness and hearing from God and how Moses wasn't hearing because his vision got clouded, his ears got stopped up because of the frustration and the disobedience of the people. But we better thank God the Holy Spirit is still with us who will convict us of sin and immediately we need to repent and do what he says to do so that our eyes could not be clouded anymore and our ears could be at the place where you don't hear God speak anymore. Help us, Jesus, and help me. Verse 24, Jesus says we can have only one master. We live in a materialistic society where many people serve money. They spend all their lives collecting and storing it, only to die and leave it behind. And there's a lot of people who die and leave it behind. I've seen people leave 
the property, the house and everything, money and everything for their children. And in a year's time, money gone, no more money. House was paid off. They had to go and remortgage the house. In the next year's time, the roof is caving in. And one day I looked, I said, their parents might have might have left it to the dog or left it to some organization. And the next year, they didn't have the house because the bank sold the house to someone else. And the other person restored that house until it looked like it was just built. They spend all their lives collecting and storing it only to die and leave it behind. Their desire for money and what it can buy far outweighs their commitment to God and spiritual matters. Whatever you store up, you will spend much of your time and energy thinking about it. Whatever you store up, you will spend much of your time and energy thinking about. Don't fall into the materialistic trap because the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. First Timothy chapter six, verse 10 declares, thank you, Lord. First Timothy chapter six, verse 10 declares, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith and passed themselves through with many sorrows. Can you honestly say that God and not money is your master? If you could pass that money test, you could flow. If I remember when God had stripped me down to the nothing and all of a sudden I'm picking up pennies on the street to buy a tin of sardine. There was no money, there's no food. When God took me from the picking up off the street, the money, and then God blessed me with a hundred dollars. And then I went to the food store and he said, no, only spend 50. And here is someone I want you to give this to. I was like, well, this God, this is all I have. And so he had to test me in the money test, little by little, until he got me to the point where it doesn't matter. If you give it to me and say, here, this is someone who needed, immediately it's given. I had to pass the money test. I didn't tell you that it was overnight. But little by little, I passed that test. One test is to ask, which one occupies more of your thoughts, time, and efforts? Jesus contrasted heavenly values with earthly values when he explained that our first loyalty should be to those things that do not fade, cannot be stolen or used up, and never wear out. We should not be fascinated with our possessions lest they possess us. This means we may have to do some cutting back 
if our possessions are becoming too important to us. Jesus is calling for a decision that allows us to live contently, contentedly with whatever we have because we have chosen what is eternal and lasting. Because of the ill effects of worry, Jesus tells us not to worry about these needs that God promises to supply. Because worry may damage your health. A lot of people worry so much until they get stressed and stress becomes illnesses. Worry may damage your health. Worry may cause the object of your worry to consume your thoughts. Worry may disrupt your productivity. Worry negatively affect the way you treat others and reduce your ability to trust in God. How many ill effects of worry are you experiencing? Here is the difference between worry and genuine concern. Worry immobilizes, but concern moves you to action. Can I say that again? Worry immobilizes, but concern moves you to action. Verse 33. To seek first his kingdom and his righteousness means to turn to God first for help. To fill your thoughts with his desires. To take his character for your pattern. And to serve and obey him in everything. What is really important to you? People, objects, goals, and other desires all complete for priority. What is really important? People, objects, goals, and other desires all compete for priority. Any of these can quickly bump God out of first place if you don't actively choose to give him first place in every area of your life. That is important. Verse 34. Planning for tomorrow is time well spent. Planning for tomorrow is time well spent. Worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. He say, take no thought for tomorrow. Worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. Sometimes it's difficult to tell the difference. Careful planning is thinking ahead about goals, steps, and schedules, and trusting in God's guidance. When done well, planning can help alleviate worry. That is, you get up this morning, you have no plan. And five o'clock come, you have not done anything because you had not planned. I worked for a boss who, when he came in, he would have his pad right there. He would jot down what he is to do today, what he was to do today. And he would do it one by one. 
and take it off. I learned discipline from him. And sometimes you wonder how people grow in business and so forth. Discipline. How we grow in God. Discipline. Careful planning is thinking about goals, steps, and schedules, and trusting in God's guidance. When done well, planning can help alleviate worry. Worries, worriers, there's a difference between, there's a difference between worry and worriers. Worriers, by contrast, are consumed by fear and find it difficult to trust God. They let their plans interfere with their relationship with God. Don't let worries about tomorrow affect your relationship with God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace don't worry take no thought for tomorrow discipline ourselves plan turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I pray that whenever you receive this word, that God will give you the revelation and understanding Father, I pray that you will give each person grace, mercy. You will cover them with your grace and your mercy and your love and your peace. May the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your heart and mind today and always. And turn your eyes upon Jesus. In these days, we need him. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will we realize? People need the Lord. Help us, Father, to be focused on you. Help us not to be warriors. But help us to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Help us to lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, help us to acknowledge you. 
and you will direct our paths. And the word was put in the Bible for us now and always. That God says he will provide your need. We bless him, we praise him, we worship him, and we honor him. I love you and have a blessed day.